preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. That's John, chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. Please open your Bibles to that portion of Scripture and join me in reading God's Word. Let's all rise in reverence to the Word of God. John, chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias. And the large crowd was following him because they saw the sign, the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the peace of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he, he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the man sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves and left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. The title of today's sermon is Feed 5,000. The story which is in every one of the four synoptic gospels. It's found in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and it is also found in John. Now, we know that the authors all had intense reason to write. They had a purpose why they wrote. For example, it is believed that Matthew wrote to the Jews. So he quoted many Old Testament scriptures about the kingdom of God. Look to the Gentiles. So there were many examples of Jesus engaging non-Jewish people, including the Gentiles. Mark, they say, is the most basic of all, the summary. Yet John also writes in a different angle. It is to speak about the divinity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Word of God, and the Word was God as well. He was with God and God himself. And many angles of Jesus are shown, showing that he is the prophet, the Messiah, the king, son of God, son of man. Yet, 
the most emphasis that, God, that John would write is about Jesus as being equal with God and as Jesus being God himself. Now we continue this series in chapter 6 verses 1 to 15. If you have not been following, feel free to visit our site, our website, and our Spotify to see the big picture from the start. We believe that preaching as much as possible should be chronological and it should be expositional, meaning we try to derive the meaning or interpretation based on historical facts and based on literary context, not forcing personal insights into the text, reserving it and allowing the authors to reveal what they want to reveal. Because we believe that God inspired men to write. And part of that inspiration is there was an intention, there was a concern, there was a need, there was a plan to write. And we looked at that intent as well. Now we see another sign. And John was elaborating on the different signs that Jesus did. And we'll find seven of those in his book, The Gospel According to John. John, not John the Baptist, but John the Beloved. Or others would say John the Evangelist. Despite certain Jewish people desiring to kill him, Christ. Why? One, he violated the Sabbath by, according to them, he violated the Sabbath. And number two, he claimed to be equal with God. Now, his violation of the Sabbath, now how did Jesus respond to that? One was implying that he is one with the Father, meaning he commanded the Sabbath. And number two, it shows that these Jewish people were not relying on Moses. They think they understood Moses, but they were relying on the extra-biblical writings of certain Jewish people in the past. Like the Bible did say, Moses did write in the Old Testament that we should respect the Sabbath. However, certain Jewish writers put so many details, details on how to practice the Sabbath. For example, you cannot carry anything from point A to point B, and that is already a violation. So instead of the Sabbath becoming freedom and rest for people, it has enslaved them because of these many extra rules. And we say, Jesus told them, you do not believe, you think you believe in Moses, but you don't because they were believing the extra writings. And that is why, if you ask us, brothers and sisters and friends, that is why we believe in anchoring our faith in Scripture. Now, others will write extra stuff. This is how to do it. As I mentioned before, the Bible did say there is one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ, Jesus However, humans have added one more person, a mediatrix, a small mediator that is not in Scripture. That is an added thing. Some will believe they're defending God, but they're not defending God. They're just defending the opinions of men. Now, some wanted to kill Jesus because they truly believed they were defending God. But not everybody wanted to kill him because they found some benefits. And sadly today, 
perhaps, perhaps many follow him simply because they think they can have benefits. And the problem is rooted in how many are miscommunicating the gospel. Instead of saying Jesus suffered, died, and rose again, therefore repent and believe for the forgiveness of sins. Instead of explaining that gist which Jesus said we should preach, what do we add? If you just come to Christ, all your problems will go away. That's not in the Bible, friends. That's not in Scripture. If you come to Christ, you will be rich. That is also not in Scripture. Or there is blessing. Always blessing. Blessing. You only come to God when you need a blessing. You only come to God when you're desperate and out of money. Then you begin to pray. Because we don't see Him as the Lord of all who became the Lamb of God to pay for our sins using Old Testament law. An innocent must pay for the guilty and the animals who were innocent of the crime of sin were sacrificed. But the ultimate Lamb of God was Christ himself. That is how we must proclaim the gospel, not God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for you. Why don't you add something? God has a wonderful plan for you if you believe, and that is eternal life. But why not preach the opposite, which is what? But if you do not believe, you are condemned already. As there is eternal life, there is eternal damnation. There is what they call eternal death. And that sometimes I'm trying to imagine, how does that work? So that's why some believe when you die, you die again. And you die and you don't know what happened. Well, it's eternal death, meaning the experience of dying will happen. Painful death will keep happening again and again and again. That is how I would imagine eternal suffering. Now, some wanted to kill him, but others followed him because there were benefits. And they followed him because they saw the signs, specifically the healing of the sick. Yet there are those who follow him because they truly believe in him. Regardless of there is blessing or not, regardless if they have to suffer or gain blessing, it doesn't matter. They trust in the will of God for their lives. It doesn't matter as long as I will follow him. And that is the kind of followers that Jesus is looking for. Now, the author noted two healings in the previous chapters, the healing of the invalid and the healing of the child of the Jewish Official. Let's read chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Now John gives us the setting of where they are and what is happening. And even the time element is here. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down. It's, it's a mountain in their lingo, in the Greek lingo, but it's actually a hill. Okay, it's uphill. Went up the hill, or the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciple. Verse 4, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. There, the Jews have several feasts, one of which is this one, a major feast. Uh, why is it Passover the, when the angel of death passed over 
in, in Egypt passed over the homes of the Jewish people or the Hebrews. They weren't called Jewish then. They were called Hebrews because of the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and on top of their door. They celebrate that so they can remember the goodness of God to them when they were in Egypt. So that's in verses 1 to 4. That's the setting. There's a large crowd, and they went up the hill with his disciples. There was a following already. Now, for us, we don't... We, there are people we follow right now, and it's called following on, on social media, right? Now, if you're intrigued when somebody you want to follow, what's going to happen? And if it's your area of interest, now definitely it's an area of interest for everybody if they see or they hear about a healer uh, that heals miraculously. Let's look at uh, point number one. There's a large crowd, so let's look at that. The Lord knew what he planned to do. And, but he tested Philip. Now, allow me to just share before we read the verses 5 uh, to 7. He would test Philip where to buy bread that the people may eat. People answered from a financial angle. He gave the cost estimate to feed the crowd. The estimate was half a year's wages, but it's actually not enough. Now, let's read verses 5 to 7. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a crowd, a large crowd, was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would be would not be enough for each of them to get a little so 200 denarii it's 200 days work one denarii is equal to one day's wage so so it's not enough and even if we had we spent this much it's not enough what was he saying he's saying it's expensive that's it he's mainly saying it's expensive lord you're going to feed 5000 it's just like people knew in politics. They think it's easy money. When they begin feeding the people, they realize it's so expensive to feed people. It is very expensive to feed people. And uh, food, but food is something that makes you a good host. Even till this day, even in our culture, if you're a host and you don't have food, you're not a good host. Now, the author did not elaborate on the test, but we may look at it as checking how Philip would respond. Now, Philip saw the miracles of Christ firsthand. He was there. And uh, the Lord was just testing him to see how he would respond. Of course, he was a new disciple. It didn't say he failed the test, but I think John was implying that, that, oh, he missed it, you know. Ah. When Jesus asks you, you have to answer right. It's just like when the boss asks you, what do you think? That was your opportunity. <laughs> you have to say something good, something intelligent. Uh, so Philip said, it's expensive, Lord. In fact, if you would look at the other accounts, I think in Mark, some of the apostles said, let them go home. Let them go home. How can we feed 5,000? Let them go home. It's just like me inviting you to a gathering and saying KKB, right? <laughs> so, which I think I'm going to do. Oh, no, no, no comment yet. <laughs> now, 
none of the disciples could have predicted what was to come next. They've never seen this. The Lord will miraculously feed the 5,000. And take note, it's 5,000 men. It says men. It does not include the Tagalong wives and the Tagalong children. Okay, it doesn't include that. Now, we don't have an estimate. The exaggeration might be 20,000. The minimum might be 5,000 plus a few thousand more. Uh, maybe the others are busy at home, but not necessarily following. But, you know, if you hear of a news that somebody's coming here, somebody's here that healed two people, I mean, I think the house would be empty. All right? You would try to see. And some of the sick would try to go there as well. So, But Jesus would feed the 5,000. Now, next point, feeding the 5,000. Uh, let's read verses 8 to 11. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. So again, let's look at this. Andrew, Philip was saying it's expensive. Andrew tried to show the contrast between, look, I found... There's a boy, five loaves, two fish. That's what we have, and <laughs> 5,000. Lord, come on. Uh, what was the purpose of John for inserting these dialogue, this dialogue? The purpose of John is to show the impossibility of human, humans doing the miracle. It's impossible. Only Jesus could have done this. That it is miraculous and it is indeed a sign. Now, Philip and Andrew, you know, they grew up, probably grew up together. They're both from Bethesda and, and uh, or others pronounce it Bethsaida. And, uh, you know, they seem to be in touch with reality like most of us. Good businessmen are in touch with reality. Why? Because uh, that's the amount, and and some are really good financially. They can they can predict things that are happening. Be, when the war in Ukraine just happened, immediately some already those who know it, oh, gas prices will increase. So immediately they know what's going to happen. Now in in a form of microeconomics here, uh, Philip sort of and Andrew understood basic stuff. This is the money. Uh, your intent is good, but look, this is all the money we have. And Andrew is saying, this is all the supply we have. On a human standpoint, one would say, it cannot work. But the Lord was to show a sign. And the Lord made everybody sit down, nice grassy area for a picnic. And the crowd ate as much as they wanted. Now, the John... The writer did not elaborate how it happened. It just happened. They said, he just said, begin distributing and perhaps the basket, there was always something in the basket when they were distributing. 
Okay. Now, does this ever happen? Well, I don't know. You can pray, Lord, may my sack of rice never run out. Just multiply the grains. Uh, you can pray. Uh, <laughs> but if you can feed 5,000 with that, that would be amazing. Now, I have not heard anybody. And if you claim, you better back it up. Because I'm open, but I'm very skeptical with miracles. Now, I believe God. Who can limit God? But if you claim that God used you to a miracle, well, allow us to be skeptical and scrutinize you. And if it is indeed a miracle of God, praise the Lord. If it is not, we just tell you, brother, just praise the Lord for the opportunity to serve and be quiet. Now, again, the miracle was so special because of its impossibility. Now, there are times in our lives, let me segue to a quick application. There are times in our lives we face the impossible. And we cannot, humanly speaking, we've done the calculations, it does not work, and we cannot work it out. We have Christ, but we have to trust in the will of Christ. Do not demand. And some think it's okay to demand in prayer to Christ. Let me disprove that at another time. But we can say what he promised. Lord, your word said, you promised this. And that is out of, of respect and out of faith, but not never out of arrogance. As I have seen some do never out of arrogance. And some would even say, well, nagtampo ako sa Diyos, hindi niya sinagot prayer ko. Parang gusto kong batukan. Sorry, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. I should never say that. Forgive me, Lord. Uh, if ever you said that, you knew how I felt. Forgive me. Now, we have a more clear understanding in the New Testament of who God is. Now, I would say in the Old Testament, they have a slowly who God is is being revealed to them. And that's why sometimes you would find certain quotes here that, uh, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Their prayers like that because they're, ex they're expressing how they felt. And there's nothing wrong with expressing how you feel as long as you understand it. And speak on a New Testament perspective, knowing who Jesus is and knowing who God is. There's more knowledge for us in terms of how we pray. Prophesied prophet, the next point. Verses 12 to 15. And when they had eaten their fill, verse 12. He told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he, what, that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world Perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Again, let's look at it again. After the leftover food was gathered, isn't it amazing? There leftover food, when initially there was none. There were 12 baskets of bread fragments. The people said that this was indeed the prophet that was coming now, where did they get that uh, Jewish thought? Now, they probably referred to the writing of Moses in Deuteronomy 18, where Moses said, somebody like me will come. Uh, in a matter of speaking, it is true. 
but Christ we know is more than Moses, but to a certain degree, yes, because the law came through Moses, and as Paul would say, grace and truth. And even John said that in chapter 1, through Jesus Christ. But the Lord withdrew himself to the hills when they wanted to make him king. Now, just look at the story from the start. Previously, some Jews wanted to kill him, but a few thousand followed due to the signs they witnessed. And, uh, well, the last sign is kind of special because it's food, and they fed everybody. If this guy can keep feeding us every day, I want him to be king. You know, I don't have to work a lot because we'll be having food at home. Isn't that wonderful? Let's make him king. So that's what I, I well, my imagination of, of the event. In later verses, Jesus would say, well, you follow because you ate. <laughs> He's going to reveal who they really are. You followed because you ate. <laughs> because you have a certain benefit. Now, they knew about the prophet that was prophesied, but they thought he would be an earthly ruler. And the plan of Jesus in the first time he came was not to be an earthly ruler, but to be a spiritual savior. But does he still command the affairs of men? His will is done every day by his grace. But one day he will return and establish his physical and literal kingdom on earth. But we know in scripture that God puts down one and elevates another. That is in scripture. So I have this trust in a sovereign God that everything is happening according to his will. And we have to trust in that will. Whether we think it's good for us or bad for us, we just have to trust in his will. Now what if his will is for us to suffer? Well, we have to trust in that will. And if we, if we know the stories of, of the 12 apostles, how they ended, including Paul, they suffered and died. History has it written that Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded, kind of the easy way out. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I'm just saying they suffered. Paul had to suffer through life being persecuted. By whom? Both the Jew and the Gentile. Where will he hide? Well, by his grace. God always leads him to people that he has planned, people who would believe, but some will not believe him. That was the plan of God. Now, that's why we have to see Christ as the answer to the sin problem. We have to see Christ as the answer to what? The issue of life eternal. We have to see Christ as the way of God's mercy and forgiveness. Because of our many sins. That's what we have to see Christ. How we have to see Christ. Not the marketing that is being published today so that churches may grow. That you will have many things if you follow Christ. And I would say that... It depends on his will. In the, in the Bible, we see people like King David, blessed with many things, with power and what? And riches. Then we also see John the Baptist. He never ate a steak in his life. 
What did he eat? Well, I don't really know that, but by the time it was recorded, it was locust. So some would say the Iglocanos are related to John the Baptist. That's not really in the Bible because, and wild honey. Now, John the Baptist did not have luxury. Now, if God has destined us without luxury, we praise God, trust his will. But does it mean we don't improve our lives? No, the Bible didn't, didn't say that. In fact, we have to keep improving our lives by his grace. Yet that is not the main purpose. The main purpose of our lives is not to pay the bills. It's not to pay for luxury. It's not to pay for tuition fees. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I'm just saying that's not the main purpose of life. The main purpose of life is not also to be happy as long as you're happy or the pursuit of happiness. The thing is, happiness is so temporary on earth. You're happy now, you may not be happy tomorrow. But if you pursue Christ, what will you find? You will find meaning, eternal meaning to your soul. Meaning is much more important than temporary happiness. Meaning, having meaning in life is a continuous thing. Why do I exist? and relate that to the plan of Christ and the plan of God as stated in Scripture, we will find meaning there. You know, some said that, you know, the Christianity is a fake. And you know what the disciples did, the apostles? They fabricated the story of the resurrection. And they spread that, and that's a fake. So you're saying they lied. Now, why did all of them die without taking back the lie? You present to me a liar, and if I have the power to torture, they will turn. Right? Are you willing to lie about that? Okay, let's crucify you as well. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. All of them were willing to die for what they saw. They saw the resurrected Christ. And they said, we saw it. You cannot, we cannot unsee that. We knew who he was. How do we see Christ? I hope it's not just the giver of bread. You know, the favorite, some people don't read their Bibles, but they, they quote a name of God in the Old Testament. Jehovah Jireh, their favorite name of God. What does that mean? God will provide. Their favorite phrase is, God will provide, God will provide. You know the context of that? It's when Isaac was asking Abraham, his father, when Isaac was about to be sacrificed, where will we find the sacrifice, says the son to the father, and the father said, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And then there was a ram caught in the branches, after God stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac, as if Abraham knew what was going to happen, God will provide the sacrifice. What is Jehovah Jireh today? He provided the son to be sacrificed. It's not the petty material things we seek. When Christian life is all about the petty material things, it becomes cheap Christianity, not worthy of eternity. 
But I'm not removing the fact that God does bless us as well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. It's, not, it's in the Bible. We're just saying, do not make it your focus. You have to, we have to check our lives every day, every week. What is really our priority? Is it his word? Is it his people? Or is it what? Mostly personal concerns. We have to take care of personal concerns, but never make an excuse of how important your personal concerns are. And that eclipses the will of God as shown in the scripture. It eclipses the commands of God as shown in the scriptures. Be like the 11 disciples, minus Judas, of course. They followed no matter what until the end. At one point, they even, their world was rocked, but they came back. And if your world was rocked before, you turned away. Seemingly, you ground cold in your relationship with God. Like the apostles, they turned back. Do turn back. And the reason to follow is none other because he is who he is and nothing else. Application number one, engage the curious. Now, the Lord rebuked the Jews who did not believe. But he engaged the curious. He engaged the 5,000. Jesus did not drive them away. Therefore, we must engage the curious. Who's the curious? The curious about the Bible. Curious about Jesus Christ. Curious about the Christian life. Anybody that is curious, we have to engage. And we should not drive them away. Why? Because some of them might become true believers. But some will just follow because of the benefits like food. Treat them well. The Lord Jesus treated them to a meal. Fish and bread. And there was bread to spare. And 5,000 was a miracle. Now we must treat those who are curious about the Lord Jesus. And if they're curious about his word as well, let us treat them well. well what does this mean? Well, don't be afraid to open your home. Don't be afraid to treat them out for a meal and say, I'd like to share something to you. Now, you may receive it or not, but this is not to impose on you. I'd just like to share to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or you just say, I want to share to you what happened to me and the message I have heard. Now, you might think me weird, but please bear with me. You know why they will listen to you? Because you're paying for the food, right? Don't just save up money so you can travel the world or go to different places in the Philippines. You save up money so you can treat somebody well who somehow has shown curiosity or at least open to the gospel. Their investment must be as well. You think it's so hard to preach the gospel when you offer food, they have no choice. They will listen. If they walk out, it's not you they are rejecting. Remember that. But we Filipinos are so emotionally sensitive. We get hurt. Try to be a little bit of a, you know, it's not about me, so it doesn't matter how I feel. Hey, did you hear that? Can we say together, it's not about me. It's about Christ. 
So don't make it the focus yourself. I got hurt. I don't like him. It's not about you. Not about you. And that is because of what you heard as the gospel, a false gospel. It's about you. No, it's about Christ and somehow it connects to you by his grace. But it is about him. Is that in the Bible? Yes. Hebrews 1, Colossians as well. Everything was made by him and for him. You think the world revolves around you? Wake up. You're not the center of the world. Jesus Christ is. So we treat them well. Why do we treat them? We treat them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now don't go about using it as a blackmail. Hey, look, I treated you, okay? You treat them so that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And third, what do we do? We show Christ. And the people wanted to make Christ king. But their perspective was earthly. They misunderstood. Christ is sovereign above all. Nobody can make him king. He is king of all. King of all kings. So he already is. During this time, he already was. You cannot make him king. People misunderstood. Because their minds were earthly. It's about their stomachs. If he is king and he can create miracles every day, isn't that amazing? Uh, it's not what that phrase is not in scripture, but that's how I would think if I were one of those. He is sovereign above all. That is our point of view. He is beyond earthly kings. People today misunderstand who Christ is. Thus... We must explain Christ to people. We must proclaim the gospel. You know, if you don't know how, you can even host a Bible reading session at home. You're just reading through the book of John. Just read one chapter each. And just a book reading and, you know, Bible reading. You gather some friends, and if they can be regular just for Bible reading, then maybe they may, you may invite them to church in church where we explain and expound the meaning of what they've read. And you know what? You will be having meaning in Christ. Why? By His grace, you became an instrument where the gospel was proclaimed, even through the reading of Scripture or through the invitation. And that is one of the greatest blessings while we are still on earth is to be used as an instrument of blessing, especially of the gospel. Can you imagine, by His grace, if we are all in the kingdom of God? So what stories do we tell one another? Huh? Our adventures on earth in proclaiming the gospel, because that is what holds meaning in the kingdom of God. You think the prime topic there will how many medals you've got in competition there's nothing wrong with pursuing that or you're such an honor student there's nothing wrong with being an honor student being a successful businessman there's nothing wrong but the real gist of the discussion there is what 
oh, you know what? This guy, this guy is the one who shared the gospel to me. And you see each other in heaven. Guy you never saw before. I mean, you've only seen him once, but never saw him again. And I think in heaven, there will be many thank yous. Thank yous for what? Thank you for showing me Christ. Thank you for explaining to me him more and more. So my question is for us, what kind of follower shall we be? Are we pursuing the benefits? What kind of proclaimers we must be? We just proclaim the benefits. The ultimate benefit is Christ himself, not the earthly benefits. What do we proclaim? But somehow the Jews understood something. He was the prophet to come, and he is the king. Not yet. They cannot make him king. He was already the king. So I give to you a piece of poetry entitled Prophet and King. They saw the signs, thus they followed. Up the hills and whatever road, they would be in for a great treat. On the grassland they had a seat. For Philip, it would cost a lot. Do we have enough in the pot? Half a year's wage, that is much. On the financials, he did touch. Then Andrew implied, this is all, and to be frank, it was quite small. From a boy, five loaves and two fish. Five thousand loaves would be the wish. The Lord Jesus gave thanks and gave. It was enough, and some to save, Twelve baskets left, that was the count. Nothing spent, there was no amount. The people ate more than enough. It was real food and not just fluff. They believed he was the prophet. As their king, they wanted him set. But the Lord withdrew to the hills. Their plan of a king he would kill. Unlike earthly kings who would fall, he is sovereign above all. And as all rise. <clears throat> Thank you, O Lord, for showing us another angle, another glimpse of Christ on earth. This amazing miracle. And a lesson to us, his disciples. Where we oftentimes see the impossibility, but in the spiritual sense, nothing is impossible for Jesus Christ. A man who is lost in his sins, no one can save. For that is impossible for any religion. But through Jesus Christ, the impossible becomes possible. The forgiveness of sins, the salvation of mankind, of men who would believe became possible in Christ Jesus. We see sometimes we don't have enough but in the hands of the Lord, there will be more than enough according to His purpose and according to His will. Be glorified in our lives, we pray. Thank you, Lord. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you all.